illegal participation on the defense. 15-yard penalty from the previous spot remains first down. This had better be a big play after all of that. Second down at eight, four and a half to go in the half, six nothing Beavers. Jonathan from the right hash from the zone 25, goes back to throw, and throws the out, and it's caught, and it's going to be a big play! Chad Johnson down the left sideline, nobody will catch Chad, and it's a touchdown 75 yards for the Beavers! This is the moment, and right here we'll tell perhaps all about that. Third and one and a half in the right hash. Simon's in the handoff, can't cut to the left, first down and more, 30, 25, 20, Simonton on his way, 10, into the end zone, touchdown Beavers, and the streak is going to end here tonight. The snap on target to Nick. he gets a much better punt away here, Sammy Strotter back to his 30 yard line, starts up the middle, gets to the 40, he's got a seam, 45 midfield, 45, 40, he's got a chance to go, 20, 15, 10, 5, Welcome to Illegal Participation, the official podcast of the Heiner Tailgater. Recording this while firmly ensconced at the Heiner Tailgater headquarters, I'm your host, head chef, planner, and chief bottle washer, Bill Heine Heinrich. Joining me, as always, from the Heinrich Tailgater Northern Command Outpost, the lead driver and director of thermodynamic lipid immersion, my co-host and brother, the Beach. Beach, how in the heck are you doing tonight? Doing okay, Billy. Running a little lag time here with our con- with our uh, connection, but but doing okay. Well, I think it's because you live out in more of the Thule Whackers than I do. I'm definitely a Whacker. There's a lot of whacking going on out here. Yeah. <laughs> That's so true. All right, Beach. The purpose of illegal participation is for us to spread our insight, experiences, and passion for the Oregon State Beavers with others, and just generally talk beaver sports, football, tailgate, and have some fun along the way. Um, I want to remind everybody, you can listen to us on your iPhone Android device on the Stitcher Radio app. Remember, you can also listen and subscribe to us on iTunes. If you do, leave a rating review. If you want to get in touch with us, HeinrichTailgaterGmail.com, or with me on Twitter, at HeinrichTailgater, or check out HeinrichTailgater on Facebook. All right, Beavers, ready to start out with some beaver sports news? I, I am, Billy. By the way, have we gotten any reviews, comments, or, or anything in a while on, on any of our sites? You know what? I haven't looked. I will go check um, iTunes uh, for next show. How's that sound? That sounds good. All right. So let, let's start. Where are we at? First up, Beach is women's volleyball. <sighs> I love women's volleyball, Billy. My favorite sport. Well, I, I wish... Wish they were doing a little bit better. The Oregon State volleyball team came out fired up, taking the opening set against number two Stanford on Friday night, but the Cardinal ended up beating them three to one. Then Amy Underdown tallied 14 kills, but it wasn't enough as the Oregon State volleyball team fell to Cal in three sets Sunday afternoon. Just got thumped by the Bay Area, huh? Yep. The Beavs are now 10 and 12 overall. 0-10 in the Pac-12, and they go back on the road uh, this week traveling to play at Arizona on Friday at 7 and Arizona State on Sunday at noon. 
what are our odds of uh, doing well at those those two teams, Billy? Are they pretty good? Are they ranked? Yeah, well, being as they lost to both of them earlier in the season, I would say probably not too good. Damn it. Yep. Okay. Well, they're still fun to watch. Yeah. Well, we're going to move on to women's soccer. I love women's soccer, Billy. It's my favorite sport. Well, I wish they were doing a little bit better for you too, Beach. The Oregon State women's soccer team fell to number two <laughs> USC on Thursday afternoon, five to nothing down in LA. USC put on the pressure during the first half to jump out to a two early, two nothing lead early in the game. Then on Sunday afternoon in LA, the Beaver women fell to number nine UCLA, six to nothing. This is depressing, Billy. Do we have any good news to report this week? Well, the Beavs are now 2-14 and 14 overall, 1-7 and seven in the Pac-12, and they return home next Thursday to host Arizona on Sunday for Senior Day, and then our Thursday to host Arizona, and then on Sunday to host uh, Senior Day against Arizona State. But if you want something a little okay. bit better, we can talk about some men's soccer. You didn't ask my question. Are we going to have any... any I, when? Men, men's soccer. Gloria Amanda and Albert Pedra found the net for the Beavs as the Oregon State men's soccer team battled number 12 Stanford to a 2-2 draw Thursday evening down in Stanford. Then Sunday afternoon down... Oh, God, they tied? <laughs> they tied? Well, they, they beat them last week, and then they tied them this week. But then on Sunday afternoon down in Berkeley, freshman defender Alex Covers' 92nd-minute goal lifted the Oregon State men's soccer team to a 1-0 overtime win over Cal. The Beavs are now eight four and three overall, four two and, and one. Again, it, what was that? Oh, it just freaking sucks. I mean, the the and has overtime. It doesn't make any sense. Yep. Well, the Beavs are eight four and three overall, four two and one in the Pac twelve, and they will return to Lorenz Field this week as they host San Diego State and UCLA in their final two home games of the regular season. So all of our hopes for a positive fall sporting event. Is all in the hands of men's soccer. Pretty much. My least favorite sport. There you go. We have a little bit of basketball news, Beach. Well, something good, please. The Oregon State men's basketball team will host an orange-black scrimmage beginning at 7 p.m. on Tuesday the 23rd. The doors will open at 6. Now, admission is free, and fans are encouraged to stop by and see the 2018-19 squad for the first time. There will be several giveaways for fans and Oregon State students. Now, if you've never sat courtside at Gill, this is your chance to experience the action from the front row or check out the action from behind the Oregon State bench. Fans are invited to move around Gill Coliseum and take in the happenings from various locations. Um, you can also check out their new um, lighting that's gone on into, into Gill and the new uh, uh, replay screens. Okay. They, they put up like some big, uh, like a big billboard or something with the... Uh... Yes, there's so screens. Where, where's the where's the screens at? The screens are the, are, are the screens are at center court, and uh, the two that go down the sideline are pretty dang big. You're going to be impressed. And the two on the ends end, end lines are pretty big too. Plus, they've put all new LED lighting in, so they're able to turn the lights on and off for different events. So you don't have to wait like an hour long for the suckers to warm up like in old days. Correct. Now, Beavs, now Beach, the uh, Beavs will host Montana Tech in a, an exhibition game on uh, October Saturday, October 27th, so this coming Saturday at 7 p.m. And the regular season opener is scheduled for 6 p.m. on Tuesday, November 6th against UC Riverside. Sweet. All right, Beach, and one more little bit of... You're listening, Billy. Do you ever go to those uh, the drop-ins? 
Um, I haven't. What day is the 23rd? Tuesday. I don't know if I'm going to be able to go Tuesday. But we'll wait and see. All right, Beach, one more little bit right. of uh, Beaver sports, sports news. Um, more than 400 people packed the Toyota Club to honor the latest class of the Oregon State Sports Hall of Fame. Now, uh, Olympic high jumper Dick Fosbury made an appearance a few hours after the dedication of his statue on the OSU campus. And the 1968 Olympic high jump champion received a standing ovation a day short of 50 years of his greatest achievement in Mexico City when he won the gold medal and also revolutionized the sport by introducing the Fosbury flop. Very cool. Yeah. Now, hey, uh, is he a native born Oregonian or where did he come from? Uh, yes, Beach. He played his um, high school. He, he went to high school down in Medford. He was uh, part of the Black Tornado. Now, Fosbury already was a member of the OSU Hall of Fame class of 1988. Now, the class of 2018 included other luminaries and teams that created memories for all of Beaver Nation. Among them were the back-to-back national championship baseball teams of 2006 and 2007, coached by Pat Casey, and featuring such stars as Darwin Barney, Mitch Canham, Cole Gillespie, Jonah Nickerson, Dallas Buck, and Kevin Gunderson. Now, of the 54 players on those two teams, 40 were on hand for the induction ceremony and the annual OSU baseball golf tournament earlier in the day. Now, Casey told the crowd he would never forget the comment by Gunderson after the 2005 Beavers had become the first Oregon State team to reach the College World Series in 63 years and then proceeded to lose their first two games in the tournament. Gundy put us on the spot. Casey said he guaranteed we'd be back the next year. He said, mark my words, we'll be back. And, of course, they were, and they won it all in 2006 and then again in 2007. Now, another inductee also made a major impact on women's sports at Oregon State. Felicia Raglan was a four-year starter on the basketball team and remained sixth in career scoring list with one, with 1,803 points. She was the Pac-10 Player of the Year as a junior and was champion of the three-point contest held at the Final Four during her senior season. Now, Raglan was also the first Beaver drafted by the WNBA and went on to four seasons in the Pro League. Wow. Oh. Yep. Oh, Beach. I think I hear the teletype behind you. Really? Yes. You, you, you do hear it. You, you know, again, you got a lag going on here. So I was actually hearing it before you hit it, but, you know, the lag in our conversation. What the reason Okay. Hold on. Hold on one second, Billy. Hold on. Billy. Yes, Beach. This just in. Ducks invited to be honorary Indian. The Cherokee, Muscogee, Seminole, Chickasaw, Choctaw, Ponca, Ho-Chunk, Winnebago Nations would like to extend an invitation to Duck fans who went to Pullman to become honorary Americans. It seems after the devastating Duck loss, many of those tribes could relate to the University of Oregon fans as the 458-mile trek from Pullman to Eugene was a trail of tears, reminiscent of the actual trail of tears that occurred after the Indian Removal Act of 1830, where those tribes were relocated by force from their native land and lands designated as Indian Territory. <laughs> so I guess just this generation of uh, the trail of tears. Oh. Um. Beach, I'm just there? Gonna, I'm just gonna leave that one alone. All right. Yeah. There you go. Okay. And that was all beads right there. Cherokee 
So I wonder if we're going to see. Yep, I wonder if we're going to see uh, maybe maybe uh, maybe at next week's game they'll they'll start. What what what's the uh, what's the seminal? Uh, 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 uh. Okay then, Beach, you ready to go under further review for week number eight in the Pac-12? After further review, the runner did cross the line. Touchdown! Yes, let's do this. I already kind of gave up one of them. What do we got? Okay, so you've got the uh, you've got the picks from last week ready to go. I do have the picks from last week ready to go. Okay, Beach, heading into this week, uh, Kyle. I hate you, Kyle. Kyle was in last place at thirty-two after, out of fifty-four. You had thirty-three out of fifty-four, and I was at thirty-four out of fifty-four. All right, Beach, so first up was Friday night's Stanford at Arizona State. Son of a bitch. What? I don't think I wrote down the freaking – I thought I had it. Stanford at Arizona State. Oh, I lost my write-up. Okay, well, Beach, you Stanford took- and Arizona State. I'm sure I picked Stanford on that one. You took Stanford. Kyle and I took Arizona State. Well, Stanford quarterback K.J. Costello threw for 231 yards and a touchdown, and Stanford remained in the thick of the Pac-12 North division race with a 20-13 win over Arizona State on Thursday night. Now, Arizona State was held to a field goal in the first half before Manny Wilkins scrambled for a 10-yard touchdown run in the fourth to pull the Sun Devils within 20-13. Now, Arizona State got the ball back at its own 16-yard line with 220 left, but couldn't get off a final play from Stanford's 20 after a short gain. Wilkins threw for 353 yards, but the Devils turned it over three times, including one on a trail, failed trick play to lose for the fourth time in five games. Mm. So, Beach, you picked up the win there. So, Come. I won and you lost? Correct. Okay, Beach, all the rest of the games wow. were on Saturday. Okay. First up, Colorado at Washington. Oh, we all picked the Huskies on this one, Billy. How did we do Washington quarterback Jake Browning threw for a 26-yard touchdown pass to Aaron Fuller on fourth down with less than four minutes remaining. And the Huskies finally pulled away late to beat Colorado 27-13 on Saturday. Now running backs Salvan Ahmed and Kamari Pleasant both scored on touchdown runs in the first half for the Huskies, who played without starting running back Miles Gaskin due to a shoulder injury. Washington's offense was far from its best, but it found enough running options in the backfield to control the game on the ground. The stable of Ahmed, Pleasant, and Sean McGrew led the way as Washington rushed for a season-high 201 yards. Now, Colorado quarterback Steven Montez threw for 144 yards, but the Buffaloes were shut out and held to 86 total yards of offense in the second half. Washington linebacker Ben Berg-Curvin had wow. 15 tackles and intercepted Montez late in the fourth quarter. Yeah, and I think that's not good for the for good for the uh, Huskies. Hold on, it's, it's, it's... what was that? Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, I don't think this is a good thing for the Beavs because last week Cal got waxed by UCLA and they held a players-only team meeting before the game this week. And uh, getting held to 86 yards of offense in the second half, I would imagine Colorado doesn't want to do that again. Nope. And we all know where, Damn the, it. We all know where the Beavs are playing this week. All right, Beige, uh, we all got the win there. Up next, USC at Utah. Who'd you take? Uh, Kyle and I both picked the Trojans on this one. 
That's correct, and I took Utah. Utah quarterback Tyler Huntley threw for 341 yards and four TDs on 22 of 29 passing to lead Utah to a 41-28 victory over Southern Cal on Saturday night. Now, Huntley matched the career high in passing yards to help the Utes beat the Trojans for the third straight time at home. Zach Moss added 136 yards rushing on 25 carries. Now, USC quarterback JT Daniels was 6 of 16 passing for 89 yards and a score with two interceptions for USC. Now, Mike Fink, who played the entire fourth quarter in place of the freshman, finished with 43 yards and a touchdown on 6 of 7 passing. Now, the Trojans generated just 205 total yards and averaged 3.8 yards per play. They went 3 of 14 on third down overall and 0 of 10 through the first three quarters. Okay. So I picked up the one on that one. All right, Beach. up next, probably the game of, well, it's a really good game in the in the uh, nation this week, Oregon at Washington State. Well, uh, wasn't uh, Arizona at UCLA first, or, or were we doing Oregon at uh... – uh, well, I, I have Oregon and Washington State next, but just just go with that. Okay, all right. We all picked the Cougs on the refrain that they didn't Coug it. Yes. Washington State quarterback Gardner Minshew threw for 22-yard touchdown pass to Desmond Poutman in the back of the end zone with four, 340 left, and number 25 Washington State beat number 12 Oregon 34-20 to on Saturday night. Now, Minshew was 39-51 passing for 323 yards and four touchdowns, picking up his biggest win since arriving at the school as a transfer during the offseason. Now, down 27 to nothing at the half, Oregon pulled to a 27-20 on Adam Stack's 23-yard field goal with 638 left and started to create restlessness for Washington State fans who had seen big leads disappear in the past. Now, the Cougs got a huge play on the next drive from Travel Harris when he stole a pass from Oregon's Jevin Holland for a 37-yard gain into Oregon territory. Minshew then hit Harris for 11 yards to convert fourth and six, and two plays later, Minshew hit Patman for the touchdown that finally put the Ducks away. Now, Oregon quarterback Justin Herbert was 25 of 44 for 270 yards and a TD, but it was a big letdown for the Ducks after last week's overtime victory over Washington. The Ducks were lethargic and struggled to execute in the first half, finishing with just 39 total yards and just three first down in the first 30 minutes. I heard uh, they weren't uh, converting third in the first half. No, they just got completely... They struggled. They were like uh, 0 for 7 or something like that. Yeah, they just got completely dominated. Okay, Beach. Uh, we all got the win there. Up next, Arizona wow. at UCLA. And we all vote against bitch tits, and so we all picked Arizona. Yes. Now, UCLA quarterback Wilton Spate transferred from Michigan, where he started 16 games over three seasons. Now, he won UCLA's starting job, but aggravated a back injury during the first half of the season opener against Cincinnati and was replaced by Dorian Thompson-Robinson. Now, Thompson-Robinson, who was 5 of 8 for 103 yards and a touchdown, appeared to injure his arm while being sacked during the second quarter, which paved the way for Spate to come back. Spate came in and was 17 of 27 for 204 yards and a pair of touchdown passes as the Bruins held on for a 31-30 victory over the Wildcats. Now, Josh Kelly, who had 136 yards on 31 carries for the Bruins, has rushed for over 100 yards in four straight games. Now, Kelly's 28-yard touchdown with 11.33 remaining gave the Bruins the lead for good. Now, Arizona quarterback Rhett Rodriguez was 15-34 of for 231 yards with two touchdowns and two interceptions in his first collegiate start, while J.J. Taylor rushed for 154 yards and a touchdown, and Sean Poindexter had six receptions for 106 yards and two TDs for the Wildcats. The Wildcats are becoming the walking wounded, kind of like Oregon State. Yeah, but... The Wildcats at least won a couple of games this year, haven't they? Yeah, they've won three. 
One of them was against the Beavs. All right, Beach. So we all mm. got the loss on that one. Last up, Beach. Cal at Oregon State. We we can just let that one go. It was. I I have to say this was the worst I've seen the display this season, and it was not even fun to watch. Yeah. Cal running back Patrick Laird ran for 193 yards and two touchdowns and also caught a scoring pass, and California snapped a three-game losing streak with a 49-7 victory at Oregon State on Saturday. Now, quarterback Chase Garbers threw for 234 yards and three TDs for the Golden Bears. Now, Oregon State was hurt late in the first half when starting quarterback Connor Blount left the game with a concussion after a helmet-to-helmet hit by Cal's Jalen Hawkins, who was ejected. Now, Zenday Johnson was ejected for the Bears in the third quarter for a hit on third-string quarterback Jack Coletto. All right. Yeah, and, and I mean, it's – basically you have the number one quarterback was hurt with um, Jake Luton, who hasn't been in since basically uh, the Nevada game, who's been dealing with a high ankle sprain. And then now we had Blunt out with a concussion. Coletto got hit. He stayed in the game. But if you look at our running back situation, Jamar Jefferson um, had a mild hamstring pull. He was limited to basically three plays. He gained one yard on a rushing play on one, then got around the end and gained 33 plays on the second one, and then the third one he was on a pass play, and he had to come out because he was gimpy. Case Rogers, the third-string quarterback or uh, running back, was hurt. Artavis Pierce, who was just getting back from injury, the, who was basically the first-string running back, got hurt and was out by by the third quarter. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Bees were basically down to their fifth string running back, their third string quarterback, and it just it was not good. It was not good. Bees need to get healthy quick. Yeah. After after what they did and were able to hold their own against Washington State two weeks ago, last this last game was a bit of a letdown. Absolutely a bit is an understatement. Yeah. What did you think of the uh the retro Benny you know, I, I, uh, it, it's just, it, you know, it brings you back to Parker Stadium back in the days. Um, I don't know. Uh, I, I, it doesn't matter to me. I, I'd be all for the old Benny, retro Benny, if uh, we would have pulled home a win. Yeah. But uh, you know, the other thing that kind of cracked me up, their, uh, their, their uniforms, they weren't wearing white pants. They were actually wearing the cream colored pants, like truly retro colored. Yeah. I, you know, I'm not a fan of the retro Benny. I guess it's okay to sell some merchandise and that kind of crap, but I, you know, when that was the mascot for Oregon State, the football team absolutely sucked. I'm fine with that. All right, Beach. Uh, let's. Yeah, look. we we didn't start doing good until they had the comment Beaver, didn't they? Correct. All right, Beach. Uh, let's start looking at the Pac-12 in the polls and the AP poll. Washington State moves up to 14. Washington just behind at 15. Oregon in at 19, Utah in at 23, and Stanford in at 24. Now in the USA Today coaches poll, Washington is in at 13, Washington State at 15, Oregon 21, Stanford at 23, Utah at 24, and Colorado in the others receiving votes category. So Oregon just dropped a little bit in Wazoo's to consider the top of the pack. Yep, right now. Well, if you look at the uh, standings right now, Beej, um, in the north, Washington's in the lead. This is just conference records right now. Washington's in the lead with a four and run record. Washington State at three and one, Stanford at three and one, and the Ducks at two and two. So the Ducks are effectively out of it, and uh, Stanford, Washington, and Washington State all control their own destinies. Wow. Because they have yet to play each other. Um, so um, Oregon beat UAW, but UAW is still ahead of them in the Be- Eagles. 
because they are four and one. They've only got one conference loss. Ducks have two. Now in the South, the okay. South is a mess because you've got Utah at three out of two, USC at three and two, Colorado at two and two, UCLA at two and two, and Arizona at two and three. So you've got everybody within one loss of each other. Arizona State's at one and three, so they're pretty much out of it. But Arizona, quite frankly, could still sneak in gotcha. just because they have yet to play each other. UCLA controls their own destiny in the South. And Oregon State is hanging so sad. And Oregon State can't even get a win. Yeah. yeah. All right, Beach. So now it's time for this week's Tommy Tuberville. What's he think I look like? A jackass? You sure do. Jackass of the Week Award. Every week we like to discuss a person in college football who exemplifies the truly worst in sportsmanship, leadership, or just being a fan. And this week, Beach, it's going to two complete football teams. Sweet. Who are they, Billy? So, Beach, it's Michigan and Michigan State. Now, Michigan's Jim Harbaugh and Michigan State's Mark D'Antonio's, the head coaches of their respective teams, agreed earlier in the week that the tone of their in-state rivalry had been more sportsmanlike and respectful the past few years. Well, Beach, that's over now. A pregame dust-up hours before the kickoff of Michigan's 21-7 victory stoked tempers and rekindled an often snippy and heated war of words between the two programs. Now, Harbaugh said, yeah, I think I didn't think that was really respectful. You know my feelings on it. I think it's Bush League, and I've got nothing else to say on it. Now, Harbaugh said he didn't see the incident that, that kind of led to this, but he said, quote, apparently Coach D'Antonio was five yards behind it all and smiling. Now, D'Antonio, who at the time that Harbaugh made that comment, was literally about 10 yards of the way on the other side of a petition media room. When he was asked about Harbaugh's comments, D'Antonio said, that's BS, you heard me. Now, Beach, the bad blood started when Michigan State arrived on the field at Spartan Stadium a few minutes late for its usual ritual, which is walking linked arm in arm from one end zone to the other before taking the field to warm up. It's what they do on their home field. Well, Michigan's players were already on the field and stretching, which led to a slow motion game of chicken which neither side willing to yield to the other. Now, Spartan quarterback Brian Lewerke told reporters after the game that the team's strength coach asked players to move off the field while the Spartans walked across it. Now, Michigan spokesman David Abluf said earlier in the day that Michigan had no warning that the Spartans were coming. The two sides clashed and exchanged words. Now, Abluf said a Michigan player was clotheslined and another had his headphones ripped off his head in the exchange. Now, Michigan linebacker Devin Bush responded by jogging to the large Spartan helmet logo at midfield and attempting to kick up as much of the painted grass as possible in about a 20-second span. Now, Bush said after the game, quote, It was just one of those things where you felt like you got disrespected. What Michigan State did with the whole walk, 100 yards, with their arms locked up while, trying to warm, while we were trying to warm up, I felt like you was trying to take a shot at us, trying to do something to us, and I didn't like that. Then he said, uh, I just got caught up in the moment of the emotions. I feel like they took a shot at us, and that was just something I acted off my emotions with. It was pure emotion. I did what I did. I can't take it back, so it is what it is. Now, Harbaugh said the altercation might have added some extra motivation for his team, but, quote, it certainly wasn't going to intimidate us. Now, to cap off the victory by the Wolverines' beach, they went out and celebrated atop the Spartans' logo at midfield. Okay. Yeah, and to me, you know, this whole thing, I, I – I, it's pretty much known that Michigan State does this. But also, if they're going to do it, they need to make sure they're out there before the other mm -hmm. team gets out there. 
Yeah, if they missed their window, that's their fault. I, I agree. Um, but, you know, both – it was pretty obvious when Bush went out and was stomping on the Spartan logo at midfield because ESPN had it on TV. They had him out there because he was out there for quite a while doing it. And, it, and, it's, and it's to me, yeah. it's, it's just stupid. And, and, and if anyone knows about Bush League, it's Jim Harbaugh. You're not a fan? I'm not a fan. So anyway, so Michigan and Michigan State, for being a bunch of you know, petulant little children, this week's Jackass of the Week Award. <laughs> is for you. All right, Beach. It is now time for our musical interlude, and this week it is Kyle's pick. I hate you, Kyle. And what did Kyle pick this week, Billy? Well, Kyle emailed me and he said, For this week's Queen song, we're going to get a little romantic. Who Wants to Live Forever is from their 12th studio album, A Kind of Magic. The song was featured in the classic film Highlander, which we all know that Kyle was a fan of. It was written by lead guitarist Brian May, who was heard singing the first Mm -hmm. verses on the album and single verses. And single versions, excuse me. Though it is only Freddy in the film version. Now recently, um, Kyle heard a cover of this. They They sought out a few more. If you're a Queen fan, I suggest you do that. You'll hear three or four... Other people sing this, and it reinforces how freaking awesome Freddie was. So, Beej, here is Queens, mm. who wants to live forever, from the album A Kind of Magic and the song and the movie Highlander.
It's a real, it's a real gorgeous song, real poignant too. Yeah, you know, I, yeah, I catch it, and not one of my tops, but I end up catching it quite a bit when I go through my Queen music. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. All right, Beach, it is now time to look at week number nine in the Pac-12. Got my thing out. Oh, I forgot to do the uh, the updated. Um, uh, scores from last week, Kyle. Is scores for for our, our our tallies. Kyle finished at thirty four out of sixty. You are thirty six out of sixty, and I am thirty seven out of sixty. All right, up first, Beach. Uh, on Friday the twenty sixth, Utah at UCLA, a big game for the South. Utah. You are taking Utah. I too am taking Utah. Kyle says Utes beat another California team, so he's taking Utah. All right, Beach. Up next, Washington at Cal. I'm going to take Washington on this one. I, I uh, even though you claim their defense isn't that good, I still think they can beat Cal. You're taking U U Dub. Um, Kyle says, uh, completely wore out from that close one in Corvallis. The Bears fall to the Huskies. I too am taking U Dub. The thing we forget, you uh, Cal was a pretty good defense, and they showed that this week against the Beavs. Um, and if you look at that game where they kind of got hammered by UCLA, UCLA or uh, Cal turned the ball over five times in that game. That's why they benched uh, McIlwain, the, the quarterback. They were going to win when you turn over the ball that much. No, and that's why Cal benched their quarterback, uh, McIlwain, and started Garbers against the Beavs. All right, uh, up next, Arizona gotcha. State at USC. I'm going to take USC on this one. Kyle says, Trojans snap back and cover and protect the way they are supposed to, USC. Uh, I see what you did there, Kyle. Um, I, too, am taking USC. I think USC is a hell of a lot better team at home than they are on the road. All right, up next, Washington okay. Washington State at Stanford. Ooh. 
That's a good one. You know, I'm thinking this is Wazoo's year. I'm going to pick Wazoo. You're taking Wazoo. Kyle says, Cougs on the rise. Cougs. I, too, am taking Wazoo. The way we're going, nobody's going to have any movement this week. Nope. Up next, Oregon at Arizona. I'm going to take Arizona. Only for the fact that Oregon's hopes of the Rose Bowl are pretty much gone. And usually when that happens, they get all depressed and stuff, and then they don't play very hard. Right on. Kyle says, Oregon is unpredictable. Arizona. I'm taking Oregon. And then up next, the last game of the week, Oregon State at Colorado. The only thing that Oregon State can hope for is that uh, it's like uh, this that well, that uh, they're so damn high that, uh, oh, she went by default. There you go. Kyle says, I will be there. I was going to try to say something with 420 or something, but I couldn't make it work. Kyle says, I will be there. We should have like a live report from Kyle. It'd be better than this podcast. I will be there as long as everyone is having fun. We're all winners. So ergo, the Beavers win, right? Miracles can happen. Beavs win. I will not say otherwise. I too am taking the Beavs, although it's going to be a massive uphill battle. And Beach, I'm actually going to change one of my predictions. I'm going to take Arizona. Ooh, you're flipping. What are you going to do now? I'm going to take Arizona State over USC. Really? Yeah, well, because JT Daniels for uh, USC, their freshman quarterback, he's got a concussion, so I doubt he plays this week. And their backup quarterback mm-hmm. has four broken ribs. So I'm going to take, and they're going with their third-string guy, so I think they're going to have trouble moving the ball. So I'm going to take Arizona State. You don't think that? I, I, I always thought USC had really deep pockets and deep, uh, deep players. Yeah, it's a little tough. It's a little tough. All right, Beach. Um, before we do your rant of the week, there's something I want to talk about. And it's kind of about a coach that I'm not a big fan of. Coach here in the Pac-12, probably my least favorite coach. Okay. But his name is Mike Leach. Now, remember last week we had our we talked about the our Tommy Tuberville Jackass of the Week award went to the Pac-12 for their meddling in the replay. Um, mm-hmm. And it came out of that game with uh, Washington State. Yes. What well, do we know? Beach, some more information came out this week. So Yahoo Sports has been do doing tell. Yahoo Sports has been doing some more digging and getting more documents because they get public records. Now, Washington State coach Mike Leach expressed anger and distrust in the Pac-12's commitment to player safety in a series of text messages he exchanged with conference officials last month. Hold on, Beach. Need a slurp of water. Leach's text messages to the Pac-12 came in the wake of controversial non-calls for targeting by USC linebacker Porter Justin on Cougars quarterback Gardner Minshew and Washington State linebacker Logan Tago on Trojans quarterback JT Daniels during USC's 39-36 win on September 21st. Now, several of the texts were aimed at Pac-12 General Counsel and Senior Vice President of Business Affairs Woody Dixon, who was at the center of the report last week that stated the conference's leadership had influenced decision-making during the replay process of football games. Now, according to the report, a third party did not agree with the booth in the command center's decision to call targeting against Tago in the game, resulting in targeting not being called. 
That report led Pac-12 Commissioner Larry Scott to acknowledge mistakes were made in the replay review procedure and announce an immediate change that will prevent any real-time involvement from conference leadership moving forward. Now, Beach Leach blasted Dixon in one of his texts, sent four days after the loss to the Trojans, writing, quote, Woody is a total coward and is afraid of USC. I look forward to telling him in person. Now, in another text, which Leach sent to Dixon himself, he criticized the Pac-12's commitment to player safety in the wake of helmet-to-helmet hit by Justin. Leach said, quote, Don't ever waste my time making me sit through some sanctimonious speech or demonstration on player safety or targeting if you're going to continue to alibi what happened last Friday. Now, Leach also sent a text to Pac-12 Commissioner Larry Scott writing, quote, The Pac-12 cannot say with any credibility that they are actually trying to protect student-athletes. Now, in a text sent that same week to Dixon, wow, yeah, in his text sent that same week to Dixon, Leach referenced a controversial 2015 game with Stanford and accused Dixon of calling Washington State staff in the press box and making them quiet the noise from the band because it was playing too loud. Leach wrote to Dixon, why can't I help wondering if you're trying to manipulate wins and losses? Now, Dixon responded directly to Leach saying, Mike, uh, lost my place, Mike, don't ever again accuse me of manipulating wins and losses. Please show this text to your AD and have him give me a call. Leach wrote back to Dixon, quote, I didn't accuse you of anything. I suggest that you get on sorting out those rules that I pointed out. After all, that is your job. Now, the Pac-12 issued a statement to Yahoo Sports late Friday regarding Leach's text messages. The statement said, quote, while we do not comment on private communications with coaches, if there is ever a serious allegation of any kind from a coach, we follow up and discuss the matter with the relevant university athletic department and provide them with an opportunity to request an inquiry into the matter. No such request has been received from Washington State. Now, Beach, I might oh. not be a big fan of Mike Leach. I think he's kind of a dick. But here I think that dickishness pays off. And I have to say right here, Dude's got some balls. I, I, you, you know, he's good friends with Donald Trump. I know. Dude's got oh, some balls, golly, and he calls it like he sees I, it. You know, he, he didn't hold back. And, 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 you know, absolutely, absolutely. And you know what? You need more people like that yeah. instead of pussyfooting around all this crap. I, I agree. I agree. And so, like I said, I just, it's, it's just really interesting. As much as I don't like the guy, I like what he did right there calling bullshit on superiors when there's bullshit going on. Yeah. You, you sit there, you stand on your high horse, and we care in this crap. Yep. Um, and, and you said it was it, – I, I didn't see the, the no call, but uh, you, you said in last week's episode it was very evident that it was targeting. Oh, yeah. And uh, there was no reason that they should reverse the call. Exactly, exactly. So, Mike Leach – you're getting our inaugural Big Balls of the Week award. Ballsy. Stupid, but ballsy. <laughs> big balls. Yep. So you got this isn't going to be like you. a weekly thing. This is going to be when it comes around. When it comes around. It's kind of like our uh, Tanner Boyle play of the week. You know, our exactly. Tanner Boyle makes you want to puke. Play of the week. Yeah, we don't have them very often, but when they do, it'll be memorable. All right, Beach. We are having some issues yeah. here, so we are going to try to get through your rant of the week. Yeah, 
Exactly, and the big thing with with Gill is they they said he didn't have enough black players, and it's like they he because they didn't it wasn't the thing back then. They're trying to apply 
today's standards to something that happened 50 years ago. Yeah, let, 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 me, let me finish here. So, I mean, I, I'm looking through Wikipedia, right? And it said nothing that he did any, like, Friday night lynchings. There was no cross burnings on his record, you know? So I'm thinking he's pretty clean there. And uh, so I'm like, you know, and so one, one of my favorite guys that, that I enjoy uh, reading is a guy named Thomas Sowell. He's, he's getting uh, to the point of retirement now, but he's an economist, and I think I've mentioned him a few times on he says there's three questions to ask that will most likely destroy any argument uh, on people. And he says that the three questions you got to ask, and these are political things, but they can be related to anything. First question you got to ask is compared to what? Second question, at what cost, what hard evidence do you have? Mm-hmm. So, you know, he was a racist. Okay, compared to what? Go back to the 1940s, 1950s. And and tell me how many black how many black players were on uh, in the pack in the Pacific Conference at that time? Or probably the Pac Eight. I don't know how many teams mm-hmm. were in that conference. Mm-hmm. How many black players played? Mm-hmm. How you know? Uh, it, it's all related. Yeah, I mean you can't compare it to now. It's not fair. Made it into college. Hell, there wasn't hardly any women that made it into college. So mm-hmm. to, to compare this kind of thing is kind of outrageous. Um, it, what, was there racism back then? Yes. Were there also all black colleges? Yes, there were all black colleges that often took all the black students. And it's just smaller student body back then. But anyway, so compared to what? So he was racist compared to who? Who? What other coaches out there in the basketball in those years brought in more? Well, and the other thing, and too, was is... Was he average? Well, the other or, thing, or are you just comparing it to today's time? Well, the other thing, too, you got to look at is there wasn't as... You, you, it was harder to recruit back then. It's not like you're going to get guys to move 1,500 or 2,000 miles to go. And how many black people lived in Oregon at the time? What percentage of those of those of of blacks went went to college? So I mean, it's just two totally different times. There's there's yeah, nothing, absolutely there's nothing to support absolutely. those claims. Well, yeah. Anyways, Beach, it's getting kind of well. Tough. That's the other thing. So compared to what he was racist compared to, are we losing it? Yeah, it's just been really hard to listen because you're kind of fading in and out. Okay, well, I'll just, I'll just finish up real here quick. I'm like shorting on my rant. You know, so at what cost? So what is it going to cost to rename these things classics? And, you know, the other thing that I think about, too, I wanted to bring this last thing up. You know, you look at A.C. Green. You look at Gary Payton. Where did they pay? Gill Coliseum. Were they pissed off that it was named after Slats Gill? No. You know, they, they made their fame in that Coliseum, named after that guy. You know, I'm, I'm just, I, I guess I look at it. And the legacies that happen at Gill Coliseum, to me, they get diminished if you start renaming things. Yeah. Well, but anyway, uh, what cost? What what hard evidence do you have? And there's no hard evidence. I mean, ultimately, he's the one that actually brought the blacks into the the basketball at Oregon State University. Yeah, he integrated. Um, the it's team. a waste of money. It's a waste of time. And to me, it diminishes the it diminishes the good thing that Slats Gill actually did do. You know, if if we had to rate everybody on the on the good and the bad, you know, then we wouldn't name anything after anybody, because you know, the only we all have failures in life, and I don't know what kills are, but uh, I don't think racist was in one of them. Correct. All right, Beach, that's a good one. I want to thank everyone for listening to show number one fifteen of illegal participation. If you'd like to comment, send a suggestion, or ask a question, get in touch with us, Heinrich Tailgater, gmail.com. 
Uh, follow me on Twitter at Heiner Tailgater. Also check out Heiner Tailgater on Facebook. Remember, you can listen, subscribe on iTunes. Please leave a rating and review. Listen to us on your iPhone or Android device with the Stitch Radio app. Beach. hopefully better. We Hopefully next week we get a better connection. I hope so. All right. Uh, next week, show number 116. Hopefully, 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 we're talking about a, a win that would be a twofer. A Pac-12 win for the Bees, which would break that streak. A road win for the Bees, which would break that streak. And uh, then we'll be talking about uh, getting ready for the game, um, home game against USC. Until then, here's a great big Go Beavs. What was it? What was that, Beach? This is better. <clears throat> well, I. I think. <clears throat> I'm talking right now. Talk right after me. I'm done. I'm talking right now. I'm talking after you. 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 Beach, I think it's on your end because I've got really good, strong, I've got a really good, strong signal right now. So I don't know what to do. I just say we muscle through this. I don't know. Okay, let's do this. Let's just muscle through.